Welcome back to the Quiet Onset podcast powered by Cinnamon. I'm Ewan Graf, and as always, I'm joined by Lachlan Teeley. Welcome back, everybody. This week's episode, we have a number of things we're talking about, but we're going to discuss our thoughts around the Creed 3 trailer, or Creed, Creed, Creed. No, Creed 3, that's how we're going to say it. Uh, starring Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, and Jonathan Majors. And then I watched Black Adam, Amsterdam, and the Dharma series over on Netflix. And you kept busy uh, playing games, right? Yep, a lot of games. Games, games, yeah. games. And a lot of games. media this week, like movies and mm. TV shows. But I have a reason as to why I've been playing a bunch of games. And uh, finally, Bros. Uh, the best rom-com of the year, question mark, question mm -hmm. mark, upside down, question mark. You and I w both <laughs> it watched it this week. Yeah, Spanish question mark. <laughs> you and I both watched it this week and we shall fill you in with our thoughts. Glad to be doing that. So uh, let's get into it and queue up the intro. We are it professionals. Is, this, is, this is a professional podcast. Yes. Breaking that and better boss on. Hello there. <laughs> Which actually, Did you this get is going to be a bit... Well? Um, yes. So I've got Dune Cam. It's just a <laughs> camera with my Dune steelbook. Welcome back, Lachlan. I uh, hope you're doing all right. And uh, let's uh, kick things off straight away and get into it. Uh, talking about the news. Um, as always, if you want to skip around to anything specific that interests you, there are time codes uh, linked below for all of that. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel uh, for the weekly podcast. But uh, let's jump into uh, the quick news. And we got a couple of items on the agenda this week. I'll also uh, put a disclaimer up for uh, general spoilers for the post credit scene of Black Adam because it's kind of kind of what I uh, need to mention in part of the quick news. So if you don't want to hear that, I guess uh, I guess skip over to uh, our Creed trailer uh, reaction. Um, but uh, first up, Harrison Ford is replacing um, William Hurt, uh, who recently uh, passed away as General Ross in the MCU. Uh, Matt Reeves has plans for a bunch of movies around the Batman villains. There's already a series. Of in the work works uh, with the Penguin over on HBO Max, and apparently now a couple of films are in the works. Uh, there's the potential for uh, Henry Cavill to return as Superman. As uh, well, this is the disclaimer warning here. He appears at the end of Black Adam and basically goes, "Black Adam, you're, you're Black Adam." Basically, that's that's his the extent of his cameo appearance. And then uh, apparently James Gunn is uh, working on two secret DC projects that uh, are already in the works. So quick news, Lachlan, do you have any uh, thoughts on, on those uh, news items? Yeah, a couple of couple yeah. of quick uh, quick thoughts for the quick news. Uh, obviously, yeah. Harrison Ford joining the MCU is quite exciting. I, yeah. uh, because I, I do like Harrison Ford as, as an actor, just mainly because he's reached that status where it's like, oh, it's Harrison Ford. Same with yeah. uh, a number of actors, uh, uh, most importantly, like Jeff Goldblum, you know, you see Jeff Goldblum, you go, ah, right. it's Jeff Goldblum. I'm very excited to see Jeff Goldblum-esque characteristic characteristics mm -hmm. in this character. Uh, obviously, playing General Ross, that's exciting. So, mm -hmm. I, I again, he's a very uh, serious character, and Harrison Ford will play that character probably very well. 
Uh, Matt Reeves' sequels make sense because of the success of the Batman, uh, phenomenal mm. Batman movie. So is kind of exciting to see what they do with him. He's a very talented creator. So I would be excited to see, uh, you know, solo villain movies. Joker was very mm. successful. Obviously, if he does something around that kind of style, not obviously exactly the same, but in that yeah. kind of taste where they take that character and definitely go on a on a, a ride with it. Henry Cavill, mm. I'm happy to see him come back. Man of Steel is one of the best DC movies. If they can bring sort of the same talent back to that, uh, obviously yeah. not Zack Snyder, but obviously bring some sort of talent and make another good Man of, uh, Man of Steel movie. Uh, mm -hmm. That'll be awesome. And I guess James Gunn's projects make total sense again. All of this is just very successful. Like the last three points that the quick news has is very successful things. Let's have more of that. And that makes yeah. sense because where DC has gone, and this is pretty much is all DC news, uh, where yeah. DC has gone recently has just been the shithole. It's just been a toilet flush. And mm -hmm. the Warner Brothers CEO stepped down, I believe. Or not the Warner Brothers CEO, but the one who was overseeing the DC uh, universe stepped down, yeah. I believe, just after Black Adam's terrible uh, reception. And I, I, I don't blame him. I, he's been around for some of the best DC movies and some of the worst DC yeah. movies. And obviously where that has been taken has not been very successful. So where they go from here... They've got a lot it's, of uh, ingredients, yeah. you know, a lot it's of ingredients. It's still really up in together. the air, yeah, because like this, uh, especially like this Henry Cavill uh, cameo was something that was pretty much shoehorned in last minute. They, they shot a version where he's he uh, like headless, but or you just don't see his head. It's just his silhouette or whatever, something like that. But, um, you know, someone coming in uh, like The Rock, like Dwayne Johnson, having that kind of influence to, uh, I guess, make his character bigger then uh, maybe it, it, would it would have place in the DC universe that they're establishing um, just because he brings that star power. It's also something interesting because I think J.J. Abrams, uh, Abrams was uh, in the early works of working on a Superman film, but not with Henry Cavill, I, I think, anymore. So it, it feels like a mess where, uh, you, like you said, like the, the person responsible for DC has stepped down and now it's like this... this uh, well, this this hole that's empty for the power and who's going to take it? Is it going to be Matt Reeves or uh, James Gunn or uh, maybe J.J. Abrams who steps in uh, because they don't have like the MCU like Kevin Feige, right, for the DC Universe. And I think and the they kind of want that, is, right? They're all yeah. very different filmmakers. I'm not, right, I, yeah. I do not believe mm -hmm. Matt Reeves' filmmaking style is the same as James Gunn and it's the same with J.J. Abrams. Yeah. They're all very different and... There has to be some, at the or same time, unity, I don't want yeah. there to be any kind of unity or cohesion to any of these films because some mm -hmm. of my favorite DC films have been the unique ones. They have been very different. And that's kind of the issue with MCU. It's entered this formula, this box of it's the same thing, but with a bit of glam here. And it just sometimes works really well. And obviously Guardians of the Galaxy is a great example. And then the next iteration is the exact same thing and it's kind of boring. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was honestly not that exciting. And it's the same with Ragnarok, right. really awesome twist. The second time around, very boring. So I'm excited yeah. to see what these guys do and I kind of don't want a universe that's together. I'd love to see these 
interesting, standalone, no attachment to it, but, you know, incorporate it as a multiverse thing in a way. You know, have Han- yeah. Henry Cavill be the Superman in every DC universe. Have, you know, an interesting Batman. But then it makes interesting, like, it, then it's interesting to have, you know, uh, Baffleck and then you have Robert Patterson's Batman. Like, which one do we use now? Because, yeah. you know, Matt Reeves' universe or the Snyderverse? Because... Or the, the James Gunn verse, because they're all very different universes. Are they going to incorporate yeah. it? We don't know what they're going to do. Warner Brothers is on this. I think they, they themselves coaster. don't know what to do at the moment still. Although, like, there's a ton of projects that are, that are in the works. Uh, projects that are also pretty much done. But I think they're also really set to uh, release like that Flash movie. It, well, Bat movie, Batgirl is so done. <laughs> I guess we're never going to get that. Just for legal purposes, they can't ever uh, turn a profit on, on that. Uh, yeah, weird legal stuff. We went over it a couple of, of weeks ago. Uh, but, but like they really set on that Flash movie. So I, I feel like they, they have confidence that it's like, obviously, uh, Ezra Miller, uh, they are the problem there f- for them. Um, but like... I think they have confidence that that movie is important. You know what it could uh, be? Because they, they don't want to scrap it, you know? I've just thought about it. If they don't want to scrap the Flash movie, which is obviously yeah. a... It, it's incorporating a multiverse. A reset, it's right. establishing a multiverse yeah. in a way because obviously yeah. we have a Batman... Do I want to spoil this or do I not want to spoil this? For people who... Anyway, there's a Batman that's rumored Batman. to be showing showing up in... Michael Keaton's Batman uh, ah, is right. showing yeah, yeah. up in, in, in this film. Which is obviously, mm-hmm. as I said, you've got Baffleck, you've got Robert Patterson, and now you're going to have Michael Reeves' Batman in, in, in a universe that's meant to kind of, I mean, extended but shared multiverse kind of thing. It yeah. Does The Flash, to continue DC's universe, is, it, is mm-hmm. it necessary to have it as a storytelling purpose? Like, as much as, yeah. obviously, you have some controversial things, they could have a plot point in this film that's so important for their continuation where they can go, all right. Same way that Marvel's done it, how there's multiverse now, right? Yeah. Even though Doctor Strange was trash, it's a very important movie in establishing mm-hmm. the fact that they can now have mutants, they can now go anywhere they want. Is Flashpoint the multiverse of madness of the DCEU? Shit film, yeah. but very important when it comes to what they're going to do in the future. And again, uh, DC can just kind of ride on the back of Marvel already having established that for audiences. And them having, like, since, I guess, Spider-Man and WandaVision for two years now, by the time this comes out, three years, they they uh, have established, like, they established a multiverse in for general audiences as well. So I think they can just piggyback on that and, yeah, do whatever. I think that's the best call for them to just, like, not try to streamline it and, mm. I guess, condense down what uh, individual artists and directors can bring to the table to create individual projects uh, like that. But yeah, uh, I think that's it for the not so quick news because that extended into a whole discussion about it the was quick of DC. news, but, it but it's a really discussion. It's a discussion. Exactly. But section. it's like, yeah, I think it's really interesting because it's, it's one of the paths that isn't as clear where I think with the MCU, it's just like, yeah, let's build to the next big thing. And uh, <laughs> DC is just let's build something. I don't know what. Yeah. Uh, so so that's interesting to follow as it as it develops uh, further. But um, yeah, let's have a look at this week's trailer. Zing- singular. Uh, only one trailer we're looking at this week. 
for uh, the third film in the Creed uh, trilogy now. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's going to be the concluding film. Uh, you know, it doesn't have that like emotional gut punch impact of a final in the trilogy. So I feel like we'll get more Creed films down the line. Uh, we get Michael B. Jordan again uh, as the titular Creed. And uh, Jonathan Majors absolutely yoked out of his mind. Um, apparently, I guess, uh, Can the Conqueror is also going to be pretty yoked in uh, the MCU films. But man, oh man, <laughs> he looks like a really worthy opponent um, to... Michael B. Jordan um, looks incredible. I think the trailer shows a bit too much, right? Luckily, we can agree on that. It basically gives away the you, whole you plot. Could, you could definitely make a case that it says it shows too much, for sure. With these uh, sports movies, or especially these boxing movies, it's so much about the momentum in the individual scenes that I, I kind of love. Uh, no, okay, it's built builds up to something. There's emotional stakes. He either wins or loses. And that's that's just what happens in a movie like this, uh, unless you're like Rocky, whatever, four or five, where the plot goes a bit into different directions. But here, it's kind of clear what you'll what you'll be getting. You'll just get another enemy uh, from back in the day. They got a connection. Um, but I mean, I'm not I'm not going to go see Creed for that reason. I'm going for like the montage scenes and uh, the great choreographed fights. So I, I don't I don't mind too much that this trailer shows too much, but um, but yeah. I mean, if you worry about basically seeing a whole movie cut down, then you're pretty much getting that with this trailer. So Creed, never seen him. Only the first one, or never seen him. Never seen him. All right. Have you seen the Rocky films? I've seen Rocky. Rocky. Okay. So I'm thinking this is this is my thoughts. I might have to go down the 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 Rocky universe. I might have to do the Rocky MCU. It's worthwhile. Uh, I've watched them and, all. They're worthwhile. Uh, I, I think Rocky is a phenomenal film. I, I do, mm -hmm. hands down. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's great. It's same with like gangster films. I've never been a big gangster movie guy until I watched The Departed. And I was like, gangster films are sick. Now, obviously, The mm -hmm. Departed is a very interesting gangster film. It's not like a traditional like Goodfellas or anything like that. Yeah. But I fell in love with gangster films. I feel like that's going to happen with boxing movies i've i've seen yeah. a couple boxing films and i think they're great but for me i've never just been hell yeah i'm gonna go watch that boxing movie when it comes out uh because mm -hmm. I, i've just never had a, a a desire to go and watch it uh raging bull rocky those are two mm -hmm. that just come to mind for me of being like the the two boxing films uh the fighter as well is actually a good one to the fighter about. yeah uh but for me, I feel like I probably have to go down the the rocky lane and just uh, just mm -hmm. every boxing film maybe I should watch at this point in time. I should go rewatch every single boxing film ever made. But uh, I've never I'd seen Creed. I've that never seen fun. Creed two. I've heard mm. great things. They're very successful. Creed one, off of a thirty five million dollar budget, grossed almost two hundred million world. Well, one hundred and seventy mm. worldwide. Uh, Creed mm. two. Uh, 50 million dollar budget 200 million worldwide so very successful films and i've heard a lot yep. of positive stuff about it obviously first one directed by uh ryan coogler great director yep. phenomenal uh, yep. i don't personally know the second director stephen cable jr don't think i've seen any of his work no i haven't uh haven't seen any of his work but again i, I heard a lot of positive things about this entire series uh, maybe it's time for me to go down the Rocky 
I've heard it's a very rocky road when it gets to the later rocky films, but the rocky right. experience of boxing in, in cinema. Yeah. Um, well, this one, I think, is uh, directed by Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. So Jordan, yeah. Yeah, his uh, directing debut. Uh, and I, I think that the first one is definitely like a bit more solid than the second one. Um, they, they, they do struggle with the making things new and it's basically a bit, a bit faster than i guess a faster pace than the rocky films um because it does have like you know it takes you along for the ride uh of the 40 years that have passed since rocky and it's kind of hmm. you know expecting you to to keep up with that pace and kind of know um to go through like the, the, the ropes a bit faster to do a bit something different and uh, i think they're now in the era where they can just like pin him up against like some other uh fighter that he can go against and have a sick story and some sick fights um and, and yeah looking forward to this I, I like the idea of watching all the boxing films because i think there aren't too many there's probably like under um under if you like obviously there's a there's a ton in the rocky and creed franchise but including like the one-off films uh, like including the entire excluding the whole rocky franchise i think there's you can count them on, on one or two hands, probably, like these significant mm. boxing films. Um, but yeah, looking forward to that. That will uh, release, I think, uh, in 2023. I didn't write down the release date for that. Uh, but yeah, hopefully not too long until we get to see Rookie Creed Free. Rookie journalism. <laughs> yeah, still on my way, still on my way. Adrian, get the release dates! Yeah, the release uh. dates! <laughs> All right, so let's get to what we've been watching. Or uh, I guess I, I should say what we've been playing or what you've been playing. So, so well, Lachlan, you had, you had a big gaming week. How about we just catch yeah. up? What have we been doing? Um, How you been doing? Look, I, I haven't had a... a, a look, my week, I wasn't in one of those moods to sit down and watch something I wanted to actively... Yeah. engage with uh what i was doing this this week so it ended mm -hmm. up being a bit of a video game week for me because a number of mm -hmm. games released and i had a couple of games uh i decided i wanted to replay just for uh nostalgia sake and also for a sequel that's about to release so first of all big yes. multiplayer game overwatch 2 obsessed to the shit with it so much right. fun the gameplay loop is in the uh it's addicting as all hell. That's the easiest way to say it. it's addicting as all hell. Uh, yeah. That's basically what I've been doing. Uh, and I've been watching like TV shows on the side, you know, just stuff that has like a bajillion episodes, like X-Files or something, just watching something on the side. So I've been watching right. it like X-Files. There's plenty of X-Files film uh, episodes that I've never seen before, like the Monster of the Week ones. I did like a big binge mm -hmm. of X-Files like years ago, but I skipped a lot of the... Yeah monster of the week episodes because they were so bad i've just got kind of gone back and watched a few episodes here or there but nothing significant assassin's right. creed unity super super hated upon release but has mm -hmm. become kind of like a loved one i played a uh, black flag like three weeks ago and mm -hmm. moved on to unity because unity is just stunning it's one of the most beautiful games paris is just oh gorgeous it's like so beautiful uh Nostalgia stake is basically what I'm doing there. And uh, next month, mm -hmm. we've got God of War Ragnarok launching. And that is yes. uh, God of War. Phenomenal storytelling. Uh, phenomenal storytelling. I really do 
Uh, biggest reason I play games is, is, is mostly single-player games is what I play. Uh, I've played mm-hmm. Last of Us religiously, Uncharted religiously. I've played God of War like three or four times. Uh, just games with a story really, really get to me. And that's why I like right. them. And uh, I'm replaying the uh, 2018 God of War to continue mm-hmm. on for this sequel that I've heard some pretty positive things about, which I'm very excited for. That's 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 been my week, man. That's basically been my week. That's all I've been doing. I mean, it sounds like a busy week regardless. It's just not been filled with a lot of uh like I watched, I watched new Bros. Releases. Bros is what we're talking you about today. Watch I watched I watched that and honestly it was a really yeah. good really good uh film and we're going to get into that eventually and it was like kind of, it's kind yeah. of getting me in the mood to watch stuff again. Uh yeah. like I really like it when a film does that, but yeah, basically it's just been, you know, the new God of War's coming out, so I've got to catch up on the story of the original one and in between i've been playing things lightly so yeah yeah i've been thinking about doing that as well i don't know if i own the first god of war but i was was thinking well maybe play this one gives me a reason to to play it but uh, i don't think i'll fit it in you never you never play games i I never do i think i'm the resident actual i'm I'm the i'm the the gamer resident resident actual gamer. gamer here yeah. You're the the resident. I'm gonna buy every game on Steam and have the best Steam library, but I'm gonna put yeah. about an hour into every game. Yeah, I enjoyed that <laughs> hour very much. Maybe down the line, I'll, I'll get some reason to to play games. I don't know if it, what what will has to be the reason. Maybe I gotta do yep. start game reviews all over here to force me to play through something. I think that's kind of what keeps me going. We'll see. Anyways, uh, I I watched a couple new releases that. Uh, I can go over uh, quickly because first uh, we were thinking, well, maybe Black Adam is our main review of the week. And then, uh, you know, a bit reluctant because we do try to focus a bit more on the smaller films. uh, And obviously the bigger films are fun to talk about because more people have seen them. But with Black Adam, uh, you said like there's been a a generally bad reception. I think that's mostly Mm. from critics. I think it's been kind of mixed when it comes to general audiences. It just doesn't have like a a great score on probably Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. And I haven't even checked the the other platforms, but it's been doing well, uh, at at least uh, money-wise, box office been doing well but it's basically a movie that's been in the works for like 15 years now i think like the rock has been interested in in this character for a while and uh what you get is just a movie that feels really dated uh in the way that it just basically does a a, a basic superhero story you get fun uh side characters uh like you know I, i think we talked about it when it was announced uh like over a year ago that Noah Centineo uh, is going to play Adam Smasher. And uh, there's there's a, a bunch of other like fun performances in there. Uh, but I think it gets dragged down by the end. I really didn't like uh, like the ending fights. The villain is, is not very me- memorable. And um, I think The Rock works better in an os- ensemble, but he's such a big actor now that he wants to carry a film by himself. You know, he's the most paid actor, I think, for a couple of years now. And he's just not that great an actor. Uh, there's no real depth to the character other than he's tough. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I felt myself scrapping oh, for anything that, that to hold on to. That is character depth. Strength, he's, character depth. Character depth is how, how thick his skin is and he's impenetrable. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it, it, it's a fine movie. I think in the DC lineup, it's definitely not the worst. It really lands in the middle. I was entertained. It got dragged down by the ending. Otherwise, like I, w- it was on track to be like a six out of ten for me. But then it just, it, it really didn't work by the end for me. And then there were 
like generally there, ask, there were quite a few a funny jokes as well. Yeah. Hit can me. I ask a question? I've heard a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So I haven't seen Black Adam because I, yeah. I, I didn't want to go to the movies and waste my time on something like that. I'll wait for it to come out on streaming or something. I heard a lot yeah. of mediocre things, a lot of negative things, but I heard a, a lot, a lot of positive things about Piers Brosnan as Dr. Fate. His character is, is really interesting. With like, I didn't know anything about their character. And I think he's he's fun. Uh, out of that constellation, there's I'm blanking on the character's name, but there's there's another guy in the Justice Society. Adam Smasher. Uh, not not Adam Smasher. There's another character. I, I have to look it up. I don't have it in front of me. But his like banter with Black Adam worked quite well. Uh, he, you know he was playing Hawkman. Hawkman, I think. I think Piers Brosnan uh doesn't have uh. A bigger part to play. I I wasn't the biggest fan on on his performance. I think Hawkman was my wow, personal great. highlight. I I think it's it's worth watching if you are, are lightly interested in DC, but uh, you don't need to rush out to theaters. Go see Bros. Go see Bros. Instead. Uh, that's a movie that's not getting enough box office uh credit. Um. So so yeah, that's Black Adam. Um. And then Amsterdam, a movie that was uh, after its initial reception in the states. Uh, scrapped internationally. I don't know if you're still getting it in uh, Australia, but uh, there was a press screening that I was about to attend for this film a couple of days ago. They just completely scrapped that, scrapped the release for Switzerland and I think for the whole of Europe, and it's just not releasing the film. Uh, I managed to get my hands on it and uh, watch this one, and it's basically filled to the brim with... Every every um, character that has like a speaking role is cast uh, by a, like really famous actors, uh, and it just feels like it's just doing that. And the plot and the script don't give them like too much. There's obviously like a lot of talent on screen, but it just doesn't come together for anything. And for a movie that's basically a, a murder mystery type of thing in a time period of of like the late well right after World War I uh, in 1918 and then spans, uh, I think, until like the early 20s. It just doesn't do anything interesting other than having a bunch of famous people on screen. And mm. I think this movie was initially, uh, even before COVID, because I think this was shot like right before COVID or around that time, was 60 million bucks. For a movie like that, that's just like, it doesn't make sense. It's just way too much money. Even if it's a period mm. piece, and we then it costs another uh, twenty. It's already released in Australia at this point. Oh, it's already out. Oh, okay. It's already well, out. Well, yeah, but then I guess it got the same release date as the states. But the second rollout uh, for more international audiences got scrapped in a lot of places. So I, uh, I, yeah. I was reading up about Amsterdam because I, I, I was keen to see it. I thought the trailers looked really exciting. Similar mm. thing. I, I haven't run to the cinemas to see it because uh, I didn't realize it was out. <laughs> I didn't realize it was out because there was there was no advertising campaign yeah. for it. It was just no, like it wasn't really. I, no. I literally just look right now, and we're recording on a Sunday. Uh, that yes, it's out. Uh, because all of my cinemas <laughs> are obviously trying to blast me with Black Adam, and and they're still yeah. trying to get me to see Don't Worry, Darling a second time because it's still showing me Don't Worry, Darling. But if I scroll right to the bottom yeah. of the page, just before I get to the international films, there we go. Oh, and Wog Boys Forever, Australian. Australian film, uh, Amsterdam. Excellent. There it is. <laughs> it's interesting because like Amsterdam starts with A. It should be at the top of the list, but I guess it goes. Oh by, no, they, they show it. They show it in the amount of show times on, yeah. on these ones. Uh, mm. but yeah, it's on. It's in the now showing page. It's it, it is pretty high up in the now showing page. Funnily enough, 
uh, but right. still not as high as uh, still Ticket to Paradise is still higher than than this one. Well, that's a new release, I think, for this week. But uh, uh, I haven't seen that one, by the way. But uh, yeah, Amsterdam, David David O. Russell, and you know, a big uh, director uh, who who's had um, you know other big ensemble films but this one is by far his, his biggest ones uh like as well in the cameos and just the, like even like the to the to the to the supporting cast it's all really mm. really stacked and it just feels like a waste because they're not really given um much here and i i just kept my uh kept myself uh, I, I just kept like tuning out while i was watching it it really is a bit underwhelming and then I, I watched uh, Dahmer, uh, the Netflix series, 10-part, 10-part, 8-part Netflix series. Yeah, uh, because it was that huge phenomenon of just reaching incredible popularity. Uh, I wasn't really interested in it because I kind of knew what I was going to get. You know, that type of uh, let's do a, a serial killer portrait. And I feel like unless it's set in the Mindhunter sphere where we get two people who go in uh, to talk to these people and get something out of it and like how it's affecting their lives. I, I think it's pretty perverse to uh, give a portrait to a killer uh, to maybe uh, like see it, understand him or see the horrific acts that he does. I haven't really read up on how the uh, like families have responded to this, but to me, it's always uh, when I, when I look at the Netflix homepage and you, look for the true crime stuff it is incredibly exploitative uh and uh like a lot of times cheaply produced just because it's consumed a lot and i don't think dharma brings anything interesting to the table that's new although i gotta give it that that it's got a solid uh lead performance and uh it's also uh shot pretty effectively but I just don't know if I if I want that type of story to be told that way. I I, I just felt it was was kind of gross at times. Um, and and it it did focus on like you know the effect it had and the aftermath and stuff like that. I just I just wasn't. It gave me this odd feeling watching it. But um, I mean, so I, I don't have to give a recommendation or not because like pretty much everyone has already seen it. So I know, yeah, I know you said, that. I know you just, you just, just, you kind of dropped it in there with, with, with Mindhunter, yeah. but yeah. isn't just Mindhunter one of the best crime, like criminal uh, shows Netflix? ever? Netflix? Like do more. Yeah. Yeah. Why? And, and Why did it's they not drop it? done. It's yeah. Yeah. It, it, it makes me furious each time I bring it up because I watched it uh, with my little brother. Uh, he, he's a huge David Fincher fan and every time we kind of slightly touch on that subject he's in a bad mood for like at least half an hour because it pisses him off so much and I can Dude. understand that because it's so good and why do you scrap that show it's, just, it's, it's interesting yeah. that obviously Netflix they're trying to legitimize themselves as a not only as a streaming service but as a production company and they really yeah. try to put their their I would say they're worst foot forward when it comes to showing what they can actually do. Like, I, I don't understand why they yeah. decided to scrap Mindhunter and then go for all of these kind of cheaply produced shows and, and almost documentaries. Cause you watch, you watch yeah. Dharma, you watch the, obviously the, the, I guess the, I wouldn't say fictional, but the, I guess the, dramatic retelling dramatic retelling and right? then yeah immediately it's followed up by like four or five different like 
you know, Netflix documentaries. Conversations like with, yeah. Conversations with and the tapes and this. And it's like Netflix seems to, instead of doing a show like Mindhunter, which really was phenomenal writing, really good storytelling, it really got you into the mind of these really insane people and mm. honestly became, you know, a, 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 a interesting story to tell because they were kind of creeping on this, you know, at this time, you know, what was it said in the seventies that, you know, serial killers weren't a real thing and they were entering, like entering this world that was not known. And now yeah. Netflix is like, look, remember this person from this season of Mindhunter? You know, we're doing a whole thing on them. Yeah. Netflix I, is a I mean, weird relationship it. fantasy with serial killers. It, it, yeah, it has. And I think it tries to justify um, this dramatic retelling of Dharma by uh, making it uh, really political because like a large part of the film focuses on the neighbor who notices stuff really early on and you get her like in pretty much you get her in every episode and a lot of the stuff is like actually the encounters the repeated encounters of him killing people where it really goes for the whole like notion which it's got to be like so traumatizing to have that dramatically retold out there for the victim's families but i i don't i don't know i don't know if that's like if, if they don't mind or, or whatever uh but uh, it does focus a lot on the victims and uh, also, uh, you know, the the, uh, the political um, ground in the states to even let something like that happen, where the police, like, ignores it as well because it's in a mostly uh, immigrant African-American neighborhood, a more po uh, poorer neighborhood. And they... they put that in there but it feels like it's just kind of has to be the focus like i don't know it doesn't feel genuine uh, i think mm. is what i'm trying to say it doesn't feel like there's an actual point of why we do need a portrait and a dramatic retelling of this it's just because serial killers make for great stories because people die and it's based on true events and i, I just that's just something about that rubs me the wrong way that however like good your story is or your storytelling your visual storytelling or the technical side of it i just don't really connect with it i don't i don't know why we need to see it and like it, it goes further because it's been like such a huge hit as well that mm. I, I feel like the, the connection we have of it because a lot of young people um saw that although it's it's technically it's it's 18 plus but i've seen a lot of like tiktoks with really young people in the film space talking about it and it's like or like just generally it being out there and it just feels feels a bit weird that we have this odd connection with serial killers where obviously we're glamorizing them in a way while we're condemning them we're also glamorizing them by giving them the ground floor and i think mindhunter really balanced that that uh in in a good way yeah. anyways i saw two more things uh one of them uh being out now um on apple tv plus raymond and uh ray a little family drama uh with ethan hawk and ewan mcgregor uh really pleasantly surprised by that one uh, i think it doesn't do something crazy when it comes to the writing but it's about two uh, half brothers whose uh dad just died and he's been a dick for their whole lives and they kind of have different um, opinions on how we should honor him, how we actually uh, grapple with the fact, the trauma that he has has bestowed onto us as as his children. And um, I liked it. It's a good easy watch over on Apple TV Plus. Uh, Raymond and Ray gets my recommendation. And then lastly on Hulu, uh, or I guess on Star uh, uh, internationally, 
uh, on Disney Plus. Um, we got Rosaline uh, with Caitlin Deaver. Uh, we get the typical, uh, really well-known Shakespearean story of Romeo and, Ju Romeo and Juliet, but uh, Rosaline is thrown in there as, uh, I, I guess, as uh, the romantic interest of Romeo before he met, uh, met Juliet. And it's 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 a funny retelling. I think it's definitely aiming for uh, like a teen audience, um, but I think it does that pretty well. So light recommendations for Rosaline. And yeah, that's oh, all the stuff seen, you've seen that I've been right? watching. You can see I've seen shows. Morbius, yeah. Yeah, 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 I can see yeah, Morbius. Yeah, but no, no, but you can see you can see that I've put it there, right? I can see, yeah, I just saw okay, it now. Cool, I didn't see it before. Can you yeah, do no, me a favor? Can you zoom in for that? Can you zoom in on that? <laughs> God damn it. I thought it's the editing Thanks, is already so much work. Okay. Thanks, bro. You put this in uh like last minute. You wanted to talk about 2022. Oh yeah, I just wanted to I I know I know we've already you know we're a little bit into the recording. I didn't know how long we were gonna you know, we had a pretty some good discussion, so I just want to have one last discussion because yeah. we're we're getting to the end of October. We've got two months yep. left of 2022. Mm. How much more shit do you have to watch? Because I have got a watch list that is getting longer and longer by the day. And I know that when yeah. December comes around, I am going to be watching every other movie uh, yeah. known to man. So I just want to know what you were yeah. up to at the moment with uh, what you need to watch to put together your, your watch list. I mean, for uh, new releases um, that are coming out over the next few months, I think my festival run has has helped out quite well because, like, for the next few weeks when we'll cover a movie, uh, I actually get to rewatch it, or I don't need to do that much prep anymore, so I can focus more on on a bunch of other films. Um, but for me, I don't have the, like the the most popular one that I haven't seen is the is Minions: The Rise of Gru. <laughs> I don't think I'll I need to watch that one for my top ten. Um, there's definitely uh, she said uh, women talking, um, Empire of Light. Uh, there's Babylon, um, there's Steven Spielberg's The Fablements, but a lot of those are getting releases in 2023 for me. So I don't know how yeah. many of those I'll be able to see. That if it comes to like the December watch list of what I need to catch up on, um, I. I had the idea of watching every single submission for the international uh like Oscar. I've seen like mm -hmm. I think 15 of them so far and there's like there's a lot of countries that submit something. Um so there's a ton to watch. I definitely won't be able to do that because like just the logistics of getting those films is is going to be uh a ton of work. Oh yeah, I forgot uh Glass Glass Onion is another one that's another big release that could be really good. Uh Pinocchio um that's Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It's been getting raving reviews. Uh, there's Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. But yeah, it's definitely a bit different when it comes to uh, the films that I that have released that I haven't seen. There's really not a ton of them. Um, and I, I, I was planning to give you like a watch list by the end of, of November. So you got all of December uh, and we'll do like a top 10 of our favorites of 2022 uh, that will mm. release like right at the start of of 2023, um, but we'll definitely have to go over it individually. I don't know. Do you have anything that stands out on 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 your list of stuff you need to catch up on? Uh, there's a couple of things that I've been wanting to watch. I uh, never got around to where the crawdad sings. Uh, would like to definitely see that. Glass Onion right. is another one that's yet to come out. A number of mm -hmm. the. Uh, uh, the festival run stuff that I haven't seen. Tar, I really want to Tar, see that. Yeah. Bones and all. You know, it's stuff that, mm -hmm. you know, you've already seen, but I'm yet to see that I think will probably make it onto my watch list this year. 
Uh, still got to yeah. obviously watch Pearl. Uh, you know, there's, there's just a number of things that I, I, I'm yet to be able to get my hands on. Uh, I've got about, yeah. if I go to just the 2022 stuff, I've got about 52 uh, things on my watch list that I've got to watch. Wow. In- including the stuff I'm, I've still got to watch uh, going forward. Uh, that are yeah. not yet on my watch list that you're going to throw at me. What are we doing next week? What was the thing we're doing next week? I don't think that's on my watch All list. All Quiet on the Western Front. Is yeah, that's not we'll even on my watch week. list. I've got to wa- I'm watching that next week. So there's there's obviously a lot of stuff that I've, I've needing, I'm needing to catch up on. Uh, I yeah. think a couple of those are actually series. Yeah, I think Pam and Tommy. Pam and Tommy was a TV series that was on yeah. there, uh, which uh, doesn't count, obviously. And there's like Miss Marvel and... She-Hulk. So there's a couple of things. I would say it's closer to like 45 movies, maybe. Uh, Triangle yeah. of Sadness is on there. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the, the the Strangers on there. There's just a number of films that I've, I'm yet to, to be able to get my yeah. hands on. So, yeah, I just wanted to I see where you're up to because top yeah. 10 list, man, they're coming, they're coming soon. They're coming in strong. 2022, you know, there's still a couple of films that I, obviously I, I, I need to see Banshees of Erishirin. That's the big one. That's yes. like the number one that, that I is have the to big see one. because yeah. I, I, it's always going to possibly, it's possibly going to be my number one, you said. So you think, I think you, so. Ewan, Ewan made a statement that it's, I did. it's going to be yeah. my favorite film of the year, which you uh, and yes. I don't know if you realize, but it's competing with, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. Uh, it's competing with, nope. Uh, it's competing with. Uh, what else have I got on my top 10? Uh, After Yang. Uh, it's competing with, uh, Prey. Uh, it's competing with, uh, obviously the Uncharted movie, which is going to be my number (laughs) one so far. Uh, don't forget about free 50, don't forget about free, uh, 56 days. And uh, most importantly, it's competing with Morbius. Uh, zoom back into Morbius. Uh, it's competing with Morbius. Uh, the number one film of the year so far. So there's a there's a mm. number of films that, that I've got to watch, and I've I've already got a I've already got a top ten list. That's what I wanted to get out of this. I've already got a top ten list so far that I I've, yeah. I've got my I've got my one to ten. They're there. I've mm. got you know I've got I've actually got twenty because I'm still trying to work out the kinks and uh, see what I really like. But funnily enough, it's not not highest rated to lowest rated. Uh. Uh, in mm. my opinion, uh, it's it's weird that I've got a weird rating system on Letterboxd, but yeah, yeah. top tens—they're coming around very shortly to a Letterboxd uh, account near you. And you definitely got to catch up with Close as well and The Whale. Uh, those are two films yes. that uh, I've also got, I've got The Whale see. on here. What was the other one you said? Close. Close, yeah. That's that's more of a me film because it's sad, and you—if you're not in the mood to watch sad, you don't like sad. Uh, uh, same with After Sun. Uh, I think it's more Holy shit, you gave contemplative. It five stars. I did. I've, again, it's my favorite film since uh, like Parasite, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I really, really enjoyed that one. Uh, there's this um, Broker and Decision to Leave that I think uh, you should also catch up on. Uh, God's yeah. Creatures, I think, is also something you haven't seen. Mm. Um, and then probably Noah Baumbach's White Noise. You know, so that, there's a lot for you to watch, and hopefully we'll. We'll give you enough time um, in December uh, so you can uh, go on on those binges of, of what I consider like stuff that could potentially make it into your top 10. 
Uh, mm. so so yeah, not not like you don't. We don't need to do like a, a, a series recap because that's just so much work of all the shows that come out. So much um, work, and even I, who's like trying to watch like ton of stuff can't keep up with that uh i think the the only other film that i'm really keen for that i don't know when it will release is the irish uh submission for the oscars uh the quiet girl uh we we are having someone who just went to a film festival for us and got to see a couple of films that didn't release and we'll, we'll uh I'll, I'll link to it right here uh but i do have a quick little discussion with him um and the quiet girl was one of those films that was on his watch list and i've heard some great things about it so uh, i'll keep my eyes open um for that one for that one as well but yeah a lot's to come i'm looking forward to uh, uh a discussion by the end of the year about the uh, the films um worth checking out from 2022 and uh now without further ado let's get into bros my man uh, and let's talk about that film two men with commitment problems attempt a relationship a simple plot line easy enough said uh, really works as a rom-com uh, that notably is different in a way that it's a studio rom-com with a uh, main cast that is filled filled with lgbtq plus uh, people and uh is also uh, basically just a gay romance story. That's at the core of it. Uh, it really doesn't try to uh, appeal to a uh, more generalized, like, uh, like um, straight audience. It really uh, exudes the character of just putting that out on screen. And we haven't really gotten that. I can't remember anything that comes close to bros in how how big it goes with just the rom-com aspect of it and i think for that alone it, it's worth checking out uh and i think it's a very fun film and it comes from a uh well worst uh, comedy director nicholas stola who's uh done the two neighbor uh neighbors films and forgetting sarah marshall the film has been received quite positively on letterboxd 3.5 imdb a 6.5 and on Metacritic A77. I think that's that's kind of high for a comedy. They, as well as, as horror films, do uh, kind of tend to scoot a bit lower because, you know, uh, comic, comedic taste uh, is different um, for everyone. But it comes in at a runtime of almost two hours, which definitely comes with the produced by Jad Apatow label as he extends his uh, films usually by like about a half an hour that unfortunately uh, bros can't escape from. That's also a bit of a problem that this film has. Uh, it's produced by Universal and had a budget of uh, 22 million, only grossed about uh, 11 and a half million domestically so far and is now getting a international rollout. That's why we'll be we're talking about it today. And it's also already out on VOD if you want to go watch it at home. And yeah, it stars Billy Eichner in the lead role. Lachlan, uh, let's jump into this. Uh, we'll, we'll keep our discussion pretty open. Uh, so there will be spoilers for the film. Um, so if you haven't already, go seek out bros. And if you don't mind spoilers from here on out, spoiler warning for you. But uh, Lachlan, what were your general thoughts on, on bros? Uh, pretty damn positive. Uh, it was really fun to watch. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's quite rare these days. I often have this discussion, you know, when was the last time you went to a, a movie to, to laugh a little bit? And yeah. Rose definitely sets out to, to humor you, to make you laugh. And for, you know, 
70% of the jokes that are on there, which for the majority of them, they're quite meta uh, humor in mm-hmm. poking fun of, you know, uh, as an example, poking fun of Queer Eye and poking fun of, you know, legitimate uh, things that are established in the, the real world, let's say, because, you know, it's a movie and it's making fun of uh, spoofing certain things. Uh, it, it, it lands, like the, the comedy lands in as I said, 70% of the, the jokes that are said. Uh, obviously, yeah. it opens with a, a podcast joke, which I thought was quite funny, <laughs> that uh, the yeah. main character is a podcaster, and it's definitely having a poke at podcasters and in general. And then it, it yeah. moves on to a, a joke about, you know, making fun of Queer Eye. And it's the, the, the humor starts from this poking fun of, you know, X uh, thing or object or profession, and then it moves into this, really interesting story and how the humor is weaved throughout is very natural and it's all come down to the writing i think the writing of this film is spot on it is just the conversations flow the humor lands it's natural it's not overdone i don't think there's any scene that i felt was just you know it didn't feel like it was too much uh except for maybe one scene I, i could break down a bit later but for me yeah, it, it was really fun to just watch, to just fall in love with these two characters and this, you know, relationship that they've got going. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed my time with bros. Can I guess what scene it was where you didn't like the writing as much? Sure, go ahead. Is it uh, the dinner with uh, the love interest's family? Nope. Oh, okay. Well, then oh. <laughs> we'll get Good to try. that later. I think for me, it, it's the jokes is like you said, 70, 30. I think for me, it was like 80, 20. Uh, I, oh, I yeah. watched this at a press screening at the, at the ZFF. Uh, so you got a bunch of us press people who, you know, they can be really quiet when it's a dramatic film. They can also be really quiet when it's supposed to be a comedic film. Um, for me, I think it was definitely like the, the loudest chuckler in the theater. But it's, it's such a fun film to watch with an audience, even if it's a small audience. I, I think this film uh really deserves a, a great theater run because it feels like a, a great cinematic experience with um people in there in the theater uh with you and for me like it was more 80 20 when it comes to the jokes you know it really landed uh like a lot of them um but i i feel like i i just kind of teased that because it's kind of my opinion um that that uh plot point of the having the parents there who uh might be a bit more conservative when it comes to uh i guess how how gay he lets himself to be you know how how secluded he is in certain aspects that that feels like it needs it needs to be a plot point in in a in a gay uh, story and it always has been like the the the, the tragedy of like not being accepted but i think the, uh, it it goes against the I guess uh, the lead who is so confident in his own person that he he doesn't um, he doesn't have that anymore. He's cut off to people. But uh, where it arrives at um, is like that relationship between the two. I think it uses that really uh, beautifully of like where they uh, kind of uh, open up about their own shortcomings while both having uh, that that male toxicity in them of like needing to to not share something and then when it happens it, it it's all the more impactful uh so you know uh, apart from being a rom-com where it's uh, we want the guy to end up with the other guy uh 
it's it's a bit more than that because it uh, has some uh, has some emotional uh, moments in that that don't feel shoehorned in where you need like a ton of music to feel anything, but it actually works quite well with uh, Billy Eichner as as the lead for me. I, I I was really pleasantly surprised by the film of how much I I enjoyed it. Uh yeah, Billy Eichner, excellent, yes. phenomenal. Uh, he's yeah. obviously the writer of this film, which is obviously yes. where we get the comedy. Very funny dude. He nails it. Uh, obviously, talking about you know the family and and that stuff. I I found mm -hmm. those those aspects of this film, you know, the family, uh, the the national museum of LGBTQ plus. Like that's these are aspects of the story that were very over the top, and you needed that yeah. because if if this was a rom com and it didn't have those, I guess those aspects to it because uh, obviously this isn't a traditional rom-com as we've all come to know it's a rom-com about two guys so it's obviously having yeah. to go down this avenue of instead of uh you know maybe being you know the traditional romeo juliet you know the family against the the that family and things like that that uh aaron's family is a bit more traditional and he's definitely got that uh straight guy look to him that they play on quite a bit with him end up being uh, being gay and it's the same with uh his high school friend who is straight and then ends up being gay it's a yeah. over the topness of some of these aspects that kind of add a bit more humor to it uh mm -hmm. funnily enough i found that dinner scene you know a bit much uh, but the mm -hmm. comedy side of it was where I, I, I felt like it brought it down to another level because there are definitely some realistic aspects to this, this film. You could definitely go into a, a restaurant and have this very heated conversation and a restaurant that obviously does a bit of performance to it could all of a sudden start their performance. And I thought, oh, that's quite funny. And it's the same when yeah. uh, Aaron and Bobby are having their big, I guess, makeup scene where they're, mm -hmm. you know, outside, I think it's like a train station or something, and all of a sudden this guy with a bike walks through the scene and he's trying to park his bike at this very, you know, emotionally intense scene. There's some random dude trying to park his bike and it's making a noise and, you know, Aaron yeah. comes along and just parks the bike there. It's like there's these aspects that are a bit over the top, but they're brought down with this humor that isn't totally out of the re realm of, a possibility. I thought the over the topness yeah. of how this L the national history of the LGBTQ plus uh, community, you know, this whole museum dedicated to that. The, the question I left, like leaving the film, was: Is Abraham Lincoln bi or gay? That's the question I have to ask. <laughs> right? Is is, is Abraham is, yeah. Lincoln bi or gay? Um, because you know that, that's over the top. That's a funny question. There's all these you know historical figures that are like, man, are they bi? Are they gay? Are they lesbian? Like, what is the question? Like, and and you know that's very funny. And in that little you know board of uh, people, you know, you have this kind of rivalry between gay people, bi people, and the lesbians. It's like there's there's this rivalry in between this. This said group, the LGBT group, there's a rivalry between them, you know. Yeah. At, in that scene, I thought where that's he's like, very comedic. It oh, works so it, funny, it works right? so well. When yeah. they go to shut and down the Abraham Lincoln exhibition, and then it's yeah. like, lesbians, let's go. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, they're a group there. They're going to hang out. They're going to fight yeah. with each other. It's And they're going to fight for each other. It's like this over the topness that this film has that 
adds this extra layer of humor to this film. Yeah, and I think it's it's like working with stereotypes, but they're rooted and, and made and written by people who are actually living that. And it feels very authentic. And then the humor just works well because like this could have very much just been, okay, we got a gay movie. We want to attract an LGBTQ uh, plus, um, I guess, uh, positive uh space of people who who an audience uh, that might be interested uh in that type of film and then it could just like be for representation's sake there's everyone around the table but it couldn't be further from that because it works so naturally in the story that everyone has has a place at that table and then the discussions that spawn from that whenever we cut back to it it <laughs> it's incredibly funny it's just and it also goes by every single person around that table is incredibly talented for their own for their own sake uh as the you know i just know um i don't know what his name is but uh you know the dean from community uh in that role as, as the bi guy who's usually mm. uh the butt of the joke because the the bi guy is the most i guess a straight person in the room and then they you know poke fun at him for and it's just like it it's just yeah it's, it's very funny um and, and it just the jokes land and that's all you want out of a a rom-com uh, essentially i think um for for sound for me because i do think it subverts some of the expectations that you'd have for a rom-com of uh you know um how i guess uh it goes into polyamorous stuff where it's just like a, a lot of different things are shown and how quickly you move on and then is it even about that guy anymore or like it's more about uh, him finding himself as well but at the end of the day, I think where we arrive at is a quite a a conventional ending for a rom com where they where the two of them end up together, which which is totally fine. You know, it doesn't need to be in a way where they don't end up together. But I I could have completely uh have have also gone with uh down the route of uh it's it's a, it's a bit of a different thing that that we end up on on not just like the typical rom-com ending but uh, i think for like the trademark uh, film that you can point to so this is uh this is uh the gay rom-com uh studio film i think to have bros as your representative is a great thing uh to have another question yes does billy i not like brokeback mountain like i know there's a lot of jokes about straight <laughs> actors playing gay characters but he really yeah. rides home the whole I don't like the gay cowboys ba uh, played by straight actors joke. He has, has it like four or five times. Uh, it's an excellent movie to shit on, but I get his point. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I get it. I do get it. Uh, there's a number of just, again, I want to go back to the, the, the meta comedy of poking fun yep. of, you know, real life things. And then mm -hmm. either a shitting on them for being a bit over the top, like, just having the queer eye guys cry over something and then pan to Billy Ackner being like, this is not sad. Like, it is one of the funniest things. Because I, I, I have watched Queer Eye and I've gone, why are they crying? Like, this is not sad. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I was like, yes, that is perfect. And then, you know, there's a, there's a, there's another line where uh, it's, the, it's the scene where they come out of the movie and mm -hmm. he, you know, they, Aaron runs into his high school mate and I, it's just, you know, a straight woman just going, oh yeah, gay guys are my jam. And that's the, it's like the only thing she says. And yeah. <laughs> move on. Like, that's the only line she says. And I was crying. Um, so again, mm -hmm. I want to go back to the point that like, there is some really 
good like one-liners, some zingers, and I yeah. was just crying mm-hmm. just because in in this in this rom-com, gay rom-com, this line just works. Because if you are kind of aware of the the the, the LGBTQ plus community, like straight people interact with the gay community from an outsider perspective, it can kind of be awkward. Uh, which yeah. you know, this is you know, you and I, we're not going to assume anything, but uh, I'm gonna, I'm a straight guy. It can be kind of awkward to talk about like a a a movie that you're not a part of, and right. it was really funny. One of the first jokes was. Oh yeah, then on the I got what about my movie deal? Oh yeah, it's a, a producer. We're talking about how I should make a gay comedy that's going to relate to uh, straight white guys uh, going to go see the movie with their girlfriends, kind of thing. And I was like, is, is he yeah. making fun of me now? All of a sudden, like, I, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think that's a lot of what he's poking uh, fun at is is also the straight uh, audiences that or uh, how they interact with. Um, uh, LGBTQ plus media, but also with the people, uh, which I think that kind of ties it over with the reception of this film because Billy Eigner uh, has uh, like then um, gone out publicly, I think in in tweets where he he said uh, you know because the box office reception for the film hasn't been great because uh, this I think should have made probably double its budget, uh, which would have been like around forty fifty million. Uh, in the states alone before it goes globally because i think in globally to distribute it's a bit harder there's also exclusions made for uh countries that definitely won't be showing the film uh so it's a bit of a disappointment box office wise and he added frustrations out and basically uh said that i guess in 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 the, the place uh, like where we live in i guess uh, straight people uh don't go see this film um kind of alienating that audience for blaming them for not having the box office success. I, I don't know if you can completely put it on that, but more that a lot of the rom-coms, which we don't get like too many of, apart from maybe cheaply produced ones that are on streamers, are usually backed with a lot of like, uh, I guess, well-known actors that look at these two and they're going to be romantically involved. That's usually the premise. Whereas here, it's not really the cast that brings you in but uh, having, you know, the LGBTQ plus or a gay romance story at the focus. And that, that's a bit harder to sell, not because not because gay, but because uh, the actors as himself, like Billy Eichner, is probably well, uh, most well-known if you go by, I guess, the, uh, the white male and female audiences for his role in Pitch Perfect, I just assume. Um, and... I don't know if they or they like show up. So I don't know if that's like the reason that like straight people are just are just no, no, they don't they don't go and see this gay film. As I don't think that's the reason. Uh, but it's still disappointing to see that this movie isn't really doing as well as it, in my opinion, for its quality, should be doing. Um, I know we bo- we both agree that this film's production is incredibly like it's a level that I'm not seeing any success come from, and it's kind of interesting that yeah. this really good writing. I think that cine- like cinematically wise, it's like the cinematography is great. Like it looks yeah, as well, yeah. really clean. It's so clean. Mm. Every shot is just almost perfectly framed and it feels like you're getting enough of the atmosphere, enough of them. Uh, and I also want to point out the lighting coincidentally, like not coincidentally, but just, just I kept getting engaged with the lighting in this film. I just felt like it was just right. never made me feel uncomfortable. I've definitely watched movies where mm-hmm. I go, 
oh, this is a bit harsh or this is a bit soft. And But like this just always seemed to be hitting its mark. Yeah, you know, you can't go out, you know, blaming people for a reception of a film. I guess rom-coms, yeah. you know, cinema's just coming back. I don't think people want to go out and see rom-coms right now uh, more than anything. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, how much is this film currently box office... What, well, what's only the 11 and a half, now? but it's only domestic gross so far. And I think it's been out for about two or three weeks in the States. Yeah. Uh, so definitely, definitely on the low end, even for a rom-com. But I guess you'd have to compare it to other films, uh, especially like Judd Apatow films. And you can see that, I guess, his last film ended up being a streamer and not a rom-com with The Bubble, uh, The King of Staten Island, uh, released in 2020. So that's an exception. But that movie made about two million. Um, mm. It didn't have a domestic release, I think. Uh, and then his his last produced films is from 2018, Juliet Naked. Uh, that movie made uh, four million international, uh, like total. Uh, like his stuff doesn't always make a ton of money. Um, the, the the biggest one, I guess, was from 2017 with the Big Sick. Uh, what that he produced didn't direct. That made like 50, uh, 57 million. Uh, but also something like you know, pop star uh, never stop and never stop never stopping. Uh, only made about 10 million. Um, that one was also a bit of a letdown for like the quality of movie it is. So it's it's not like it, it's because of the topic that films like this, I guess, quote unquote bomb. Um, it, it can have a lot of different reasons. Uh, but you, you can kind of see the correlation. If we want to compare it to something, if you want to compare yeah. it to a, another rom-com this year, a straight rom-com with a very similar yeah. runtime, about an hour and 44, uh, yeah. with... Julia Roberts <clears throat> and George Clooney, two very big names. Tickets to Paradise, right. domestically, right, just came out. 6.4 million. Worldwide, it's done 81. But so far, Bros has only been domestic. So Wait, George yeah. Clooney, big seller. Julia Roberts, big seller. Uh, not very successful rom-com in the States. And it's been... Wait, how many did you, you know, say did it, make, did it make so far? Uh, IMDb is saying a gross of 6.4 mil in Yeah, US. but uh, that's still... So that movie has been out for, I think, six days. It just came out this Friday, if I uh, got that correctly. But maybe that's also international gross. But the domestic gross for bros in the for, uh, first three days was uh, three and a half million. So that's that's still lower than uh, okay, so Ticket it's, it, to it is Paradise. Lower. Yeah, it is It is a bit lower, but I think uh, Ticket to Paradise also is... I mean, it is lower, but I think Ticket to Paradise We're doing also a live is already... Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, you, you looked at domestic release. I mean, Ticket to Paradise internationally has already made 85 million. Uh, so mm. that's that's a big film. Uh, but yeah, six and a half of those are coming from the domestic uh, box office. And it's been out, yeah, since... Uh, Three days. You know what? I'm yeah. wrong. There we go. I'm wrong. So it hasn't been as successful as what other films. But Julia be. Roberts and George Clooney is also a, a totally different demographic uh, for, for that. And it's just like, you know, uh, there's a lot of old people who just go see a film because they know the person. That's, that's why I said, like, it doesn't have that same star power. And I think it doesn't mm. need to have that because then you just see the, the people uh, they've played before. And I think everyone's really authentically 
a a character in the LGBTQ community in this, and that's why it works so well. We don't need a straight mm. actor to play a, a trans person or something like that. So so like yeah, I, I think for that it's it's uh it's great to have, and it's also just give us more of exactly this, and hopefully mm. there's one that hits a bit more. Um, and maybe it has a great one run on VOD. I mean, it's out right now. It's releasing. Uh, if you don't live in the states, it's already been out. I don't know if it's still playing in in theaters in the US, but it's now rolling out uh, here. Uh, I think it's it's got to start later this week. Uh, so so yeah, go give it a watch if you can. Um, it's really one of the funniest films I've seen all year. I'd I'd have to compare, but it, it's up there for for like uh, the funniest film of the year, uh, certainly. So. Um, Definitely gets a, a warm uh, re uh, a warm recommendation for from the both of us. But uh, Lachlan, where did you arrive at as a rating for Bros? I gave Bros. How many Bros out of five? Three and a half Bros out of five. Three and a half. Three and a half. Bros. You can't go a half bro. You can't just half bro. I didn't do it. it man. Couldn't do it. I did a half bro. Right. Okay. Well, for me, I'll round it up to a full bro and give you four out of five Bros for that one. Uh, go check it out, bros, out in theaters uh, now. And then let's have a look at what's coming uh, later this week. First up on October 25th, Tuesday, we are getting uh, the first two in a total of eight uh, films, short films. Uh, short little stories are in uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities over on Netflix. Then, uh, and they'll be airing two a night for the four following days. Then we got The Goodness out on Wednesday, October, 20, uh, October 26th, as well uh, on Netflix. Uh, a bunch of Netflix releases that week. Uh, on that Friday, we are getting the sixth season of Big Mouth, as well as the animated Wendell and Wild, and uh, a movie that we'll be talking about next week, All Quiet on the Western Front. It's already out playing in theaters. I think it's worth checking out on the big screen if you can, uh, but that's the film that we'll be talking about next week. And uh, I just saw just a, another, uh, not nail in the coffin, but uh, something that stings for everyone who's interested to see Tar, which includes you, Lachlan. Uh, it's getting a wide release. It expands into wide release in the States right now. So go seek that out if you are uh, available, uh, if you I are will. able to see it. I think, Lachlan, for you, it's uh, at the start of January that it releases in theaters. So hopefully we'll get a VOD release before that. So you'll get to catch up with Tar as well. One of the best films of the year. But in my Kate opinion, Blanchett is from my country. <laughs> Give me the film. She actually Give me the film. grew up here. She's literally born. <laughs> whatever. I don't care anymore. She Get was born on there. the island. Anyways, Lachlan, if people uh, were to seek out uh, a film recommendation right now, what would you? Which way would you send them this week? My pick of the week is a bit of an interesting one. Uh, obviously, we wanted to make our pick of the weeks something that we've seen before and something that kind of you know, relates to this. So to topic, I decided to yeah. go with uh, an LGBTQ plus film uh, that I've always really enjoyed. Uh, and it's an Australian film talking about uh, things from my own country. Uh, something that Ewan's never seen before as well. This is I even more no. exciting. Uh, it is The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. It's from 1994. It's won an Oscar. It made a massive thing in cans guy pierce hugo weaving you've got terence stamp uh as uh two drag queens and a trans agenda woman it's fun 
it's it's just a really fun time. If you haven't seen it, it's uh, <laughs> just it's like an exciting film to watch. Uh, really ahead of its time. Really recommend mm-hmm. going to go watch that. One of the, the I guess, called out films where straight guys play someone from the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, but uh, I, I think in a, a, like, from what I can see from the reception, yeah, it's been received really well. So I, I don't assume there's, like, something in there that uh, makes it, like, ooh, cancel, don't watch that one. So I'll be looking forward to that. I might check it out uh, for myself because it's it's been on my watch list. I didn't even notice that it was on my watch list, so... Uh, go give that a watch. Uh, I I'm going to uh, give another recommendation. You know, this week uh, there was a lot of representation for the gay bros, but what about the lesbian sisters? Uh, I'm going to shout out, but I'm a cheerleader from 1999 with Natasha Leone. Uh, what a true and iconic classic. It's it's really, it's a funny film. It's also a uh, film that has a lot of like dramatic tension that works quite well. So go give uh, But I'm a Cheerleader a watch. And uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Next week, we'll be talking about All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, in the meantime, you can go follow Lachlan and myself on all of our socials. Those are linked below. Uh, same goes for the link tree for Quiet on Set that will take you to all of our socials. Then uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel to uh, not miss a new episode of the Quiet on Set podcast. The show is powered by Cineman and comes to you each Tuesday. So thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you soon. Bye.